Hey guys, and welcome to Everything With Eli. Today, I'm going to be doing a, uh, what is it, a episode on the French Revolution. So, let's jump to the first segment, Dig In. Alright guys, welcome to Dig In, the segment where I tell you guys and girls about uh, the topic and its history. So, the French Revolution was basically when France, or the French people, citizens, were getting angry with their ruler, Louis the 16th, and the way he ran the country, and the way he ran France. So, the king's nobles had a luxurious life. And they didn't pay taxes, while the peasants had to pay high taxes, and there wasn't enough work or food for all of them. Um. So by so you know this is um this information or most of it is from the uh, the Osborne no Osborne Encyclopedia of World History. It has internet links. Um, yeah. Um, the Osborne. So, basically, by 1789, the government had no money, the French government had no money left at all. And the French were in desperate need of money in order to solve the problems. The king called a meeting of the Estates General, the French Parliament of the Estates General, the French Parliament, which had not met for more than 200 years. So basically, the Parliament is a group of nobles who help make decisions with the king. And these kings had been kind of jerks, and they're like, we don't need you. So they just shut down Parliament and said, you know what, you're done let me run the country by myself. And they were just selfish jerks. So, some who came to the meeting of the Estates General were middle class people, like merchants and lawyers. Unlike the nobles, the middle classes had to pay taxes. They demanded that everyone should pay fair taxes or requested, they, yeah, they demanded. But the king refused. So that made many French people furious or extremely angry. So next was when the first act of revolution came. So on July 14, 1789, a crowd of poor people and some of the king's soldiers attacked and captured an important prison in Paris, called the Bastille. This is known as the Storming of the Bastille. That was the first act of revolution which triggered the war and oh, by the way, at this point, it might get, if you don't like gory things, this might not be your episode. So, wow. Yeah. So, 
just you can stop this now and skip ahead to the next segment which which yeah so the revolution spread the news that the Bastille had been captured and encouraged many other people to rebel basically once they so before that I don't know how far before because I can't get into older people's brains I can't get into anyone's brains brains at that but the story of that steel basically gave people the confidence that there are other people out there who support my cause and it's not just oh me and my friends hate the king it it was there were other people out there who could help so that gave them the confidence to surge the confidence surged over at that point so then many other people rebelled and a revolution soon broke out all over france the middle classes took control of the country and in 1793 the king was executed bum, bum, bum. okay so then came the really gory part so you might want to stop now so the reign of terror the revolution quickly became extremely crazily violent it it became terrible because it's like you have a right to protest but basically destroying your country that's just terrible so it the queen was executed as well as thousands of nobles um so anyone who is thought to be against the revolution was executed to execute they used this thing called a guillotine where basically a sharp blade comes down and hacks your head off very violent and um so during the reign of terror a terrible man named maximilian robespierre maximilian robespierre i have a terrible french accent sorry um was the leader of the french people during the reign of terror so as you can as you know he was a terrible person because you would never want yeah um so it became very violent and the revolutionaries promised to help people in other nations rebel against their rulers. And France became began to invade nearby countries. Many European rulers were worried and wanted to stop the revolution. In 1793, several countries such as Britain, Austria, and Austria attacked France, and war began. By 1795, the French had defeated most of their enemies and won new land in Europe. So, here's a timeline. So, basically, in 1791, Louis XVI calls a meeting of the in May, and then two months later, or maybe less, maybe more, if they don't know when the meeting was called. But, um, 
The Bastille is captured in July 14th, 1789. In 1793, the king is executed, Louis XVI. The Reign of Terror is from 1793 to 94. And France is at war with most of Europe from 93 to 95. It's kind of like... Just imagine if you were in another country then, and you see France, what France is doing to everyone. You're like, yeah, I don't want you to help us rebel. We're gonna keep our peace with our own country and not execute everyone. So, um, now you can continue listening. Not that, so, I mean, here, let me get another book. It's called Dirty Rotten Rollers. I forget who it's by. I'll get that to you in a minute. It's uh, History's Most Dastardly Deeds by, it doesn't have an author on here, um, but you can check Osborne Encyclopedia of World History is a good book, check that out. This one can get a bit gory for some people, so this one you might not want, but um. So, the terror in Robespierre's uh, want for power made him unpopular in ninety four. Robes seventeen ninety four. Robespierre and twenty one of his closest supporters were guillotined. He hit. Never mind. Uh oh. The queen was Queen Marie Antoinette. Um, he sent some of his friends to the guillotine. That just shows you how terrible Robespierre was. Some of his friends. Some of his friends. So now we're going to do a quick, so I kind of already, okay, we'll move on to the next segment, the person, what am I going to call it, the person background, oh, the mystery person, yeah, okay, so here comes the mystery person. Yay! Okay, guys, and welcome to the mystery person. Today we're going to be doing do 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 do. Drum roll, please. Henry Robespierre. I already gave you guys kind of a thing on him, but I felt like there's no one else. I mean, other than the king and Marie Antoinette. There's no one else really main in this. I mean, because... So, Robespierre was a terrible person. We've established that. So, some of this... Yeah. 
So here's Robespierre, basically a quick thing on him. Or not quick, but... Okay. Um, I'm looking, I'm looking. Okay. So, most, um, the guillotine was nicknamed the National Razor. This is also from Dirty Rat Rollers. Just giving it a quick. The executions attracted large crowds. Some people came after day after day, including a group of women who worked on their knitting while the heads rolled. Okay. Um, Robespierre only had to point a finger of suspicion, and people were sent to the guillotine. And they were accused of not supporting the French Revolution, hoarding, deserting the army, and a host of other crimes. Basically, I'm not sure. They don't know. So the period lasted about a year in which 30,000 people were arrested and 17,000 were executed. That's terrible. And basically, he can, Robespierre was able to point, he was able to say, huh, they look suspicious. And then th- th- you can falsely accuse them of a crime and they're dead. And they get guillotined. It's terrible. So, most were killed without, most people were killed without trial. He guillotined entire families of aristocrats and ordinary people. So, Robespierre was also responsible for ordering the mascara of rebels in the Vendée region region of France. Over 150,000 people were killed in the city of Nantes. The men, women, and children were tied together in boats that were towed out to the middle of the Loire River and then sunk. If you haven't figured it out yet, he was evil he was a young lawyer he fought as a young lawyer he had fought hard to protect the rights of ordinary people but once he got to power who knows like that just tells you what power can do to people Robespierre did not use his power to make money or live extravagantly he simply extravagantly not extravagantly or whatever i said he lived simply walking everywhere going for strolls in the country enjoying musical evenings with his landlord's family at that time that was regular but oh my gosh he's enjoying musical evenings oh oh i've got a nice house i'm rolling it's ridiculous and It's just one of the things that it's like what power can do to people is insane. It's like he was so corrupted that you you heard he was a 
a warrior. He fought for good things, people's rights and stuff. And then he comes to power. He guillotines, what was it, 17,000? And he killed 150,000 by sinking them, by drowning them. Or at, ordered them to be killed. And... <sighs> terrible, terrible, terrible. Um, sorry if that was too gory for you. Um, let's see. Yeah, alright, we'll move on to the playoff prediction slash update segment. Hey guys, and welcome to the playoff prediction segment. So, basically, I'm just going to be giving you guys an update and uh, my predictions for now. So let's see here. How are the NBA playoffs going? So, um, the Sixers Hawks series. Go Hawks! Gotta say, um, no, I'm not bandwagony. I was cheering for the Hawks after they beat the Knicks. Sorry for the background noise. People are just making a lot of noise. Um, oh my gosh. Um, so the. So, I was cheering for the Hawks even when they were losing by 20 and they came back or something. Like, so, the Jazz lost to the Clippers. Oh, my gosh, that's ridiculous. I think that ruined my prediction. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So, the Clippers beat them in six, four to two. Um, I'm not going to give you, like, I mean, I could give you box scores, but that'd just be painstaking. And I don't want to do that. So, Hawks Sixers is tied 3 to 3. The Bucks Nets is tied 3 to 3. That's on today at 8:30 Eastern on TNT, Bucks Nets. Um have fun watching that. Um I might watch it a minute. Actually, never mind. The Suns swept the Nuggets. Yeah, baby. I might become a real Suns fan. I mean, I gotta say, like, D-Book and Chris Paul, Aiton, Miles Bridges, Jay Crowder, baby. Um, so, Cameron Payne. Uh, what else? So, the Clippers are going... Up against the Suns. Let's see. They're both defensive teams. Um, I mean, they can put up points, but the Clippers, they're not really a great offensive team. They're like Kawhi Leonard. I mean, Paul George is good offensively, so is Marcus Morris Sr., um, but they don't have, I mean, Terrence Mann just put up 39, baby. I, I like the kid. He's, he's pretty good, I gotta say. Um, if they had another scorer, they'd be really dangerous, but the Clippers don't. So, I'm gonna say Suns on that one, like, 4-2, because the... Suns, Chris Paul can put up points easily. 
So can Devin Booker. Aiton can sometimes in the paint. Jay Crowder can hit the three. Macau Bridges is a great defensive player, but he and he's only twenty four. I mean, that kid has potential. If he if he Yeah, he's gonna develop so is Cameron Payne. Um, he's only he's twenty six. But um so we're I I'm saying four to two sons because I feel like they can put up more points than the Clippers can. Um, so Hawks Sixers game seven, or let let's do Bucks Nets first. So Bucks Nets, I'm gonna say Nets here because the Bucks here don't really have the firepower to go up against the Nets. Kyrie Irving, I'm not sure if he's out. I uh no, but with Kevin Durant. James Harden is hurt. Oh my gosh. So I watched some of the other game. James Harden is one of the smartest players in the NBA right now. If you had seen how hard it is, he he literally stopped cold in his tracks on a fast break because of injury management. He knew I don't want to pull it. He he's so smart that I would be not that I'm going to make the NBA. I want to, but whatever. But he knew that I, I'm i not going to pull this. And he that shows you how he wants to stay on the net. Yeah, that he wants to be on the Nets. So he didn't want to pull it for his team. I mean, he already did, but he didn't want to tear it or hurt it anymore for his team. So that just tells you how... Devoted he is. I'm going to go Nets on that one. And Hawks, Sixers. Hawks. Because they came back from down 22 at halftime. At halftime. And they just, they won. It was amazing game. It was amazing. I didn't watch the game, but it was, oh my gosh. They had a 40 to 19 fourth quarter. The Hawks had 40, and the Sixers had 19. So, Hawks, Nets. Hawks in seven. Because if you look at the defense in the Nets... There's really none there. It you you can look, but they they don't have any players on their roster that are defensive minded players. The Hawks, they don't either, truthfully. But the Hawks three point shooting is going to be a problem for a lot of teams, and the Hawks can do it go at a fast pace or a slow pace and Trey Young is insane right now he he just had a 40 and 10 game or something like or yeah, he's insane I, I'm gonna say Hawks and seven because it does sound a little bandwagony because I'm like a Hawks fan now or something but it's like 
it's hard to say that what it's hard to predict it because you can't really say, oh, they're going to jump out. But the Hawks, as they showed in the Sixers-Hawks series, they're masters at coming back. They'll, they'll hit. Because the Hawks are a team that if you're up 12, that doesn't mean anything because they can come back in four possessions. They're a three-point shooting team. So, I mean... I don't know if how Bogdanovich Bogdanovich is out. Bogdan no Bogdan Bogdanovich, who's been amazing. He had a terrible game though, but um, he he's been uh pretty good and uh, but he had a terrible game. Let's see his box score. Okay. His box score was seven points, two rebounds, one assist, and two steals. Three for 11 from the field. Here, I just have to say that was a yikes performance. But Ben Simmons had an even better one with six points, nine rebounds, five assists, zero steals. With five personal fouls. I mean, I respect the nine rebounds and five assists, but look, you're a point guard, you're 6'10, 230, pretty buff. You're a terrible free throw shooter, though, but if he was more aggressive, he'd be a beast. But he's like the the new Magic Johnson, but not nearly as good. If he would just attack, then he'd be good, but he doesn't. Same with MB. Sometimes he just takes pull-up jumpers with Clint Capella right on him. Yes, I'm referring to this series, which is a great series, by the way. But uh, the Hawks-Sixers series. But he, Embiid... Whenever Capella's out, he can just dominate. So, he'll. He has the ball on the one. He's in triple threat. He fakes. He, he jab steps. And he shoots. That's a terrible shot. It, and he might make it sometimes. He might make it 50% of the time. But, you, you dribble. You back him down. You get in the paint. You make a shot. That's an 80%. That You make that 80% of the time versus 50. You Or... You see his turnaround, Jay, fade away on the baseline. He's dribbling. He picks the ball, turns around, fade away on the baseline. He knocks it down every time. If he will get to his spots and just make it, if he would do what he does best, then he would be, anyone could be unstoppable. But some, for, for some reason, people sell for contested shots. Stuff that they, they're not going to make. Stuff that they might make 50% of the time at the most. It, if they just take good shots. 
Sorry, I went on a little rant there. <laughs> yeah, yikes. Um, sorry. Uh, what is the last segment? Um. Oh, the book review. Oh yeah. All right. Uh, we're going on to the book review now. And I'll see you there. Okay, guys, and welcome to the book review. So today, let's do a book review on... Hmm, let's just do Chris Grabenstein's Fantastic Puzzle Ta... No, Super Puzzle-tastic Mysteries. So, basically, it's a... Chris Grabenstein put together a group of authors. This book is amazing, by the way. It's like, they I'd love if they were shorter so you can read. Some are 10 pages, others are the longest, like 21 or 22. But I'd love if you could read them in like five minutes. They're, these, for me, take 15 minutes to read. Um, so the there are 20 crackable cases by... Brian Patrick Avery, Flora Bradley, Laura Brennan, Laura Cassidy, Sheila Cherry, Elaine Ferguson, Stuart Gibbs, Lamar Giles, Chris Grabenstein, Bruce Hale, Steve Hawkinsmith, Peter Larangus, Warren Magaziner, Kate Milford, Gigi Pandian, James Ponty, Aline Randall, Fred Rexrode, and Mo, Wa Mo Walsh and Tyler Whitesides. So, my favorite would probably be Stuart Gibbs, or it's Peter Larangus, who did, so Autonetics is Peter Larangus's, and Monkey Business, which is a fun jungle mystery, which I did a book review on in the third episode soccer baseball one of the two and um so peter lanius is good chris grabbingstein's though i haven't read one uh i think it's fred rex road or something one of them but chris grabbingstein's is the worst no offense to him not that he's listening but uh because it doesn't give you all the clues or it doesn't give you all the information that would have given you. Because, like, I was able to figure out it was, like, a whodunit thing. But I wasn't able to figure out why until I got the answer. And they didn't give you all the clues or information that you, so you could figure out why. Or Chris Grabenstein did it. But it's an amazing book. Um, I would really recommend it from the uh, Mystery Writers of America that presented it. Um, it's 20 puzzles. It's called, called Super Puzzle-tastic Mysteries. Chris Gravenstein presented it or whatever. It's short stories for young sleuths from Mystery Writers of America. Alright, so that's for all you young sleuths out there. And... Hope you liked my episode. Please subscribe. I'll leave the link to uh, send your voice messages in the description. Eli out.